Yes, we're live. Hi. Uh, well, welcome to Sound Engagement. I'm your host, Peter Anderson, and Brad, do you Brad want to Mills. introduce you? Brad yeah, Mills. This is <laughs> and Brad we, Mills. Yeah, this is Brad. I can Brad introduce Mills. Brad. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Carmen, uh, well, let me introduce you, and then you could, then you yeah. could add on. Um, so, Carmen, I wanted to first say, she's been on our um, podcast before talking about boldness and Christianity, and I really loved what she had to say. I've also been on her part podcast twice. Think. Yeah, yeah I think right. once was like uh, once was talking about wokeness in the world, and the therapy. other one was like a therapy was like a therapy session. Yeah, it was great. Was <laughs> it was really yeah. well. I, I never like, sent wow. you the co. I, I I forgot to send you the bill for that, by the way. So no. Um, <laughs> no. But Carmen, Carmen uh, Schober, she is a um, she's a novelist. She's also a wife, full time mother of two daughters. She's an avid boxer. She's a rocker, Rocky enthusiast. Uh, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky one, right? Rocky, yeah, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky. I mean, I like yeah. them all. I like Stallone. You like them all? In general. I'm one of nice. those. I, for, I forgive him for the really bad. First I couldn't get over. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get over five. I just couldn't get through that. But uh, up to four, oh, yeah. I can really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 And she's also a graduate <laughs> at Kansas State University, where she earned a master's degree in English literature, creative writing, and she currently lives in Manhattan. Kansas, yeah. not Manhattan, New York. Um, no. And she just wrote a book called After She Falls. And yeah, um, yeah I'm yeah, really excited. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Hey, Carmen, nope. oh, yes. aside. Oh, here just, it is. Uh, oh, nice. You got, the book. Yeah. you got the book. I have it. Sorry. Oh, there it is. Awesome. There it is. Yes. Should pre order it. Shameless. And you also pre order it. Uh, <laughs> For it's sure. on Amazon, too, right? Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's it everywhere. Is. Yep. Oh, Christian. Sweet. Sports romance. Um, the best deal is through Baker Bookhouse. You get it for ten dollars, and you support oh, nice. independent Christian bookstore. So, and so I have, yeah, it opens up about what like faith, fighting, and motherhood. Isn't that right? Like, and yeah, uh, it's I'm looking forward yeah, to it. I want to read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's it's sort of it took the Rocky story, the underdog story, but then just reimagined it like contemporary female protagonist. It's not. It's very awesome. loosely inspired by Rocky, but idea same idea yeah okay nice okay so she just takes all the punches and never defends herself basically like she just gets <laughs> yeah, she thrown around the like, <laughs> well, yeah. like we didn't actually learn I, how to yeah. duck or dodge until the third uh, <laughs> third movie yeah but, well right. it's funny that you know if we could transition because i actually think that's pretty um it's a good segue in what we're about to talk about because we well, are going to oh did you want to say something i do want to chime in one more just two yeah, things sure okay before, yeah, we, before we transition since this is just a random random nonsense but one of the things was uh, <laughs> my i have a good friend uh pastor friend that's there in manhattan kansas you wouldn't happen to know brian huff oh. do you oh uh, i do know brian huff yeah you do know brian, I know brian. okay i do know that's brian. funny to so say you'll have to say hi house. yes yeah <laughs> we'll do oh. a shout out brian. to brian and manhattan is kansas is he a pastor, He's the pastor. Yeah, Manhattan yeah, Presbyterian yeah. Church, PCA. Yeah. So, oh, right. one of my good friends. Anyways, yeah, cool uh, yeah. One more thing I want to uh, to do here, and I didn't tell you this, Peter, but I wanted to just see if we could get a proper pronunciation of this name, Gulag Archipelago. Do you hear that? Uh huh. Yeah. You do hear that? Okay. okay. Yeah. So not I actually think we closed it out last time. <laughs> yeah. And we were we were debating. I think both of us got it wrong. Oh, we're both wrong. I said, yeah, that's good. You said 
something like gulag like archipelago or something yes and so, i said yeah. anyways it was uh, it was funny that's important i thought yeah, i would just razz you i you gotta <laughs> razz I like me for that you're gonna win quite like a bit this. on those uh, yeah anyway yeah. i just read to make up, i read to make up for my avid insecurity on how i mispronounce <laughs> words <laughs> friends with ian ian hewitt with his massive vocabulary all the time i'm just like ian i don't even know what that means like that word i don't, I don't, even, I don't even have a reference but it's fine well, <laughs> I'm glad I you know what fun. that's <laughs> the one thing that i think i can do maybe i can beat peter at is is pronunciation he he knows all the definitions better than i do so I'll yeah give him that. we should here's have a quick <laughs> i just can't pronounce it but i know the definition yeah i'll pronounce it for you then i'll say pass it yeah. over to peter to, to pass find it over it. to peter well, you know, I'm right. looking at Carmen's, I'm looking at Carmen's website and carmenshower.com and says, I stopped thinking the other way, the, the, the way other people think a long time ago, you got to think like you think Rocky Balboa. Yes. So I love that. So that actually, speaking of fighting, um, I think yes. we should probably transition into this because you were part of, um, kind of like a pretty serious, uh, incident over at school, the school board. I wanted to have you mm -hmm. on because I actually think that this is um basically probably what's happening all over the nation if we're if it's happening in manhattan kansas it's likely happening in raleigh north carolina i know it's happening here in massachusetts um i know it's happening where you are brad in california so i thought i would take you know okay this um uh this little school in kansas that's a pretty conservative state for the most part and yet it's happening there right and so mm -hmm. Um, what was your experience? What was what actually occurred, and um, why were you really concerned as a parent? And uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your story on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. This is happening all over the United States. Um, really, I think you know what the whole uh, COVID did a lot of things. Um, one of the most important lessons people learned from COVID is how important your local government is. If people were not clued into how decisions are made, COVID really, you know, showed people like national politics affects you. Absolutely. But like local politics affects you more and usually quicker. Um, so I think that people are getting more involved in their school boards. They're getting more involved in local government, but also um, a lot of folks with a certain ideological bent, progressive bent, leftist bent are increasingly encroaching i mean it's what it, they do you know like increasingly showing that this whole idea that you know i can i can think what i want to think and you can think what you want to think and we can just kind of exist that's increasingly not happening as much and um people particularly in the education system increasingly feel the need to bring in ideological political agendas into the classroom mm, that's a whole different conversation. But basically what happened in Manhattan specifically is in April, the school board voted, our local school board um, voted to implement this curriculum that uh, it's called betterlesson.com. And it was $62,000. They had the vote. They voted on it. They were totally going to buy it. And then the way this curriculum works is, you know, they were going to facilitate it being taught to teachers and staff and then teachers and staff would then incorporate it into the classroom. Um, they were totally like it was going to happen. There wasn't that much, you know, uh, nobody really it kind of flew under the radar. But 
when they went to purchase it, they tried to pull funds from the wrong account and that like froze the process. So they weren't able to do it. They weren't able to get the curriculum. Um, you know, it basically more time passed and uh, some teachers got a hold of it and looked at it and saw what it was and shared it with community members. And that's kind of how, you know, just sort of this like ripple effect of people looking at it and being like, this is critical race theory. Like they're gonna spend $62,000 on this, train the teachers to do it. Like, you know, it just sort of like slowly the pieces of the puzzle kind of came together and uh, concerned parents were like, well, we need to go to the school board meeting and let them know why critical race theory is not something we want to purchase and not something we want students learning. Um, and that's kind of like, I don't know if that's, if you want more than that, but that's sort of like the setup for what took place. Well, so the $62,000 though, I mean, did they tell you what they were putting that? I mean, what that budget was for? Was it just for training? I mean, was it for like, yeah, so did they, yeah. If you, it's very interesting, right? Like, I mean, and I will, pre I'll back this up, right? So for some people, this is the first time they're ever hearing about critical race theory. This is the first time they're really recognizing how it's playing into education. But a lot of people have been paying attention for a long time, already know that a lot of educators are doing this like you know if you're a teacher and you want resources on critical race theory like you want to do a lesson about equity or whatever like there is so much available to you like this is like the hottest this is like a hot topic like it's the idea that you would spend sixty two thousand dollars on this is comical um but yeah i mean it was basically curriculum i think it came with like some coaching so like if they had questions they could get like an online coach who would you know talk them through you know if you're teaching about oppression in math class how are you gonna do that effectively you know like so it came with some kind of like consulting but it was mostly just access to these these lessons these you know which most of them are anything you can find on any I mean, like Vox Salon, like you could pull up an article mm -hmm. from any of those places and it would be like similar. They didn't topic. really explain. Yeah. So they didn't really explain where the, where the money was, was being spent or no. was it just like, yeah. Okay. Okay. So there were a yeah. lot of parents that were very, very concerned. You were yeah. one of them. And right. now critical race theory just sounds like a buzzword, really. I mean, is mm -hmm. that what you all were concerned about? Was there like a particular student or was there they, like students that were coming home saying things to their parents? Was there like something in the mix that y'all were specifically hey. listening to, but yeah, go ahead. Peter, Peter too. I, I, yeah. I'd like to just say before oh, yeah, we yeah, uh, get too far into the weeds is, is just to say what, what I often, often hear um, is and the first response you get from an advocate of CRT is, is that their opponents don't really even understand what CRT is. They're, uh, they're addressing some caricature that Trump gave right. it or some other conservative politician. And we're just mm -hmm. touting the same things. We actually don't know how to read or, or, or study it ourselves. So I would right. just like to cut that, that kind of, um, yeah, yeah. You I know, can, argument I can out. Kind of, yes. I can address that and then get into like what people specifically were concerned about. So right, critical race theory has become fairly mainstream. Um, yeah, that's partly due to Trump, I think, like talking about it, but also, I mean, it's just increasingly prevalent in most of American institutions. Um, it's interesting that people say that critics of critical race theory can't define it because at least in my experience, critical race theorists define it, 
critics of critical race theory define it. And they might be like slightly different, but they're pretty much talking about the same thing. The people who generally have a very hard time defining it are people who are just kind of like vaguely sympathetic to it. And you kind of even see that like happening in Manhattan right now. Like if you look at comments on different articles, the people who obviously don't know what critical race theory really is are people who most likely, you know, they're liberal, they're progressive, they're 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 not conservative, they don't want to be identified as conservative, so kind of like instinctively they feel like they need to defend this or maybe they really have heard different things about it and they think it's, you know, it's neutral or something. But those are the people that usually try to define critical race theory as like oh, it's just a helpful lens at looking at your biases or it's, you know, it's an examination of power structures. Like they have all these different little ways of talking about it. But your average, like, unashamed critical race theorist and your critic of critical race theorist or critical race theory will tell you, essentially, if what it comes down to is critical race theory is Marxism applied to culture. And that, I get, is its own buzzword, too. But I'll break down what Marxism is. So hopefully people will listen to what I'm saying. Right. So Marx had the idea that the proletariat has to overthrow the bourgeoisie to achieve this like economic liberation. That's what Marx is credited for. That's what he's known for. No serious person disagrees that that's a major tenet of Marxism. And if the main main idea of critical race theory is that these purportedly disadvantaged or victimized classes have to overthrow the oppressor class. And they might not use that exact language, but that's like overthrow is probably too strong for a lot of them, but that's essentially the idea. And like, nobody, nobody like seriously disagrees with it. Like, I like, you know, it's this little weird group in the middle that doesn't want to like admit that it's controversial, but like your average critical race theorist would be like, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's it's this idea that these oppressed groups need to do these things to overthrow the powers that be that hold them down. Um, and that's critical race theory. And then so that's like the Marxist part, but then also a unique feature of critical race theory, two, two unique features is that it's almost got this like weird quasi religious race essentialism thing. Like, you know, like if you're white, it means all these things. And if you're black, it means all these things like your skin and your identity have these like strange inherent meaning, um, regardless of all other things that might be true about you. So there's that little component that's true. I mean, most critical race theorists would say something similar to that, like, you know, the black identity, whiteness, they like categorize things like that. And then a third unique feature of critical race theory is um, the ability, the, the fact that built into it is a way that you can't like falsify it, right? That's really how you, that's a pretty good way to know that you're dealing with critical race theory is that if you challenge it, resist it, point out flaws with it, anything, that's just proof of the theory being true. So there's no way to like, and how that plays out, right? Is like, if I say, well, I don't really think systemic racism like systemic racism is a thing. I don't think there's been evidence that shows that that exists. That's someone replies with like, well, that's because you are privileged and you can't identify it because you're privileged and you know, you're, 
you have all these biases that prevent you from seeing it. So like, you know, you just have no way to engage with the theory in a way that can falsify it. So hopefully that makes yeah. sense. It's, it's the Marxism applied to culture, the race essentially them, and it's the lack of ability to actually engage with the theory. Um, most critical race theorists like would honestly be like, yeah, those are things that that's part of her. Yeah. They might no, be like more slick, right. you know, they might be able to make it sound better. But like the people who are the most confused are the ones on the sidelines who are like, oh no, that's just like culturally responsive training or that's that's diversity and equity. You know, it's all these different names. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, except that's just critical race theory. Like it's just a different format. Uh, but anyways, so that's kind of the definition. That's what we're working with. And if you read through Better Lesson, like it's just, it, it, it assumes all of these things. Like it assumes systemic racism is a fact. It assumes that white privilege is a fact. Um, It teaches teachers that they need to be on a racial equity journey. And like as a Cuban woman, the word equity like gives me nightmares. Like that's just like how the whole, that's how societies unravel. Um, And then it's got like anti-racist language. I mean, there's no reason to look at Better Lesson and like come to the conclusion that it's this harmless neutral thing um so anybody who is familiar with those different things that i just talked about could just identify like this is what's happening and so when i went to the meeting my approach was to point out to the board because i'd called them all right beforehand i'd called and emailed them and i talked to at least one who was pretty influential and honestly i mean i don't know i don't know if what she was telling me was just to appease me or she was telling the truth. I'm leaning towards that she was telling me the truth, but she basically admitted to me that she recognizes that critical race theory is harmful and that she just thought members of the board didn't know that that's what it was, right? So that's kind of like the story they were going with, that like we concede that critical race theory is controversial enough that we probably shouldn't go forward with this. And the reason it happened is because we couldn't identify it. So the point I brought up to the board was like, either way, this is not good. Like, right? Like either some of you I think are sympathetic to it. I said that to them. And then, mm-hmm. but some of you can't even identify this. Kind of where we're at, you know, like that problem. We have a board that has some people who are outspoken political activists, political race theory in the classroom. And then we have yeah, people who are just being dragged along for the ride because they don't want to challenge those people and they don't they're not effectively able to pray in their mind actual good diversity training or whatever you want to call it versus critical race theory so when you're saying okay why Sorry, like yeah that's well yeah and i i totally i, I mean so it almost I, I like how you're saying that, though, because it already sets up the argument and they under they undermine any type of opponent, like as if you are part of the problem. I mean, Imbram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, right. basically sets that there are only racists or there's anti-racists and equi- equality equals equity, in other words. And so he makes that f- basically false equivalent, you know, that um, wherever I see inequality, that must mean that racism, I mean, we have to destroy the policies that are racist. Which, right. you know, I guess 
Um, I don't know if even a lot of the people that are even advocating it really even understand the logic of that or the dis or the, you know, the lack of coherency mm -hmm. that kind of comes with mm -hmm. that. I mean, do a lot of, have the people have the people that you've spoken to, have they read Kendi's book? Have they read, do you feel like you get a sense that they even have, have read the literature or is it just kind of like, okay, George Floyd happened. There seems to be something mm -hmm. going on in our country with Black Lives Matter and to, you know, that we should be passionate about ending racism. We see that mm -hmm. our people of color have been oppressed for all these years. Yeah, it definitely looks like this. And I noticed that there was one woman of color on the panel and you, mm -hmm. you could tell mm -hmm. that she was holding a lot of emotion, you know, and saying that I feel like I'm being slandered. People mm -hmm. haven't really even given me any type of email that have proven that what I believe is wrong, which was actually right. really interesting. I, we'll get to that at a different time. But I guess is, have you noticed like the teachers when, when you're in action with them, I mean, that they've actually read the material or is it they just, are they just kind of quoting, um, are they just kind of yeah. like part of the group, the group think or the group dynamic, I, I suppose? I think it's more, I, I think it's more of the group think like, I, I think honestly, probably what this has revealed is that I think absolutely parents in Manhattan and all over the United States should fight critical race theory. But the assumptions and the methods of critical race theory have already pretty effectively infiltrated the education system because a lot of teachers are not that familiar with the actual theory and they haven't really thought through the implications of it. And there's no evidence that it's good, like it's too new anyways for there to be any like long-term data of like, oh yeah, critical race theory helps with these disparities and you know, achieves X learning outcome. Like there's none of that. So like, there's no, you know, like this idea that we all need to jump on the same train and do this. There's really no like data that supports that. It's much more of a, like you said, sort of a group think, um, let's jump on board with this because it is fashionable, honestly, is what I think is part of it. Um, hmm. Oh, shoot. Whoa. I had a little follow-up thought. Let me think about how I was going <laughs> no, to say right. that. It was like well, so pregnant. many, so you're, many yeah, things. You have a, you, yeah, you have right? a baby have, coming in like two months. Okay. Brain. <laughs> my brain just goes like, oh. Um, I, I remember seeing that with my wife. She would just like immediately, like we'd be in mid-sentence <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, she just stops. <laughs> And she like, look, we look at the wall. I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, what, what are we talking about? I'm like, we were just talking about budget and you were onto a point and she just would stop in mid sentence and won't even like finish anyway. Sorry. So keep going. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, no, what was I going to say about it? Um, basically what's happening in Manhattan is you see, you're seeing critical race theory play out before your eyes. Oh yes. Here it is. What I was going to say. So, right. Um, Here's a little more background on kind of how the conflict comes to a head. Uh, so the Riley County Republicans is the group that disperses the information, right, about the curriculum. And Riley County Republicans, I mean, I'm in it. There's all kind, there's, you know, black people in Riley County Republicans. There's Mexican people. There's all different types of people in the Riley County Republicans. But how this has been framed from the beginning and by every little newspaper journalist teacher who's sympathetic to this is white Republican hysteria, like old people. This is just old white Christians freaking out about 
diversity. That's kind of like the narrative. And like I said, like that's what critical race theory does. Like if you challenge it, then it immediately goes for that, like that, that rhetorical move of like, well, the only reason you're challenging it is because you're like morally deficient. And the reason that they see that and they, they see white skin or an older person or a Christian person is because they've already been trained to be prejudiced towards those people because critical race theory says those people are oppressive. Those people have power, those people, blah, blah, blah. That's why you can discredit what they say. That's why you can, you know, ignore them. That's why you can slander them. And so you kind of see that like already playing out, even though they haven't even implemented the curriculum yet. It's only, only going to get better probably. Right. Just keep reinforcing this way of thinking. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe hopefully that answers your question that like this yeah. way of categorizing people already seems to be pretty strong in our little Kansas community um, to the point where a lot of people can't see. They can't. What's funny about critical race theory, right, is it has critical in it, but it really inhibits one's ability to critically look at the critical theory that they are into, if that makes sense. Mm. So they like mm-hmm. critical race theory, right? yeah. but they don't have the ability to like step back and critically assess critical race theory. Mm. And so it's just, it's this little, I mean, it, it's very insulated, toxic, harmful way of viewing the world. And, you know, one of the school board members said like, oh, well, I need to see the data. <laughs> I'm sure very soon there will be plenty of data that will, confirm what most people yeah. are worried about right what um i wanted to uh jump on that too and just say uh, there's a couple of articles i pulled up and maybe i could share some of the uh, just a, a few points from those and get your response i think it confirms something of what you're saying in terms of the the portrayal of this as just republican hysteria or white mm-hmm whites who want to retain their power in the community and therefore they're they're like really concerned about what's going to happen to their children or something like that they might they might not have the privileged status that they currently have or whatever which is has you know i mean is is a foolish assumption in itself but i wanted to share with you some of the uh first of all this article from the Kansas City Star, which highlights, it says critical race theory royals Kansas and Missouri politics. Here's what it is and is not. And it goes into um, basically this, uh, I'll just, the beginning says this summer's, uh, this summer, public school students in Kansas City will begin learning from a curriculum based on the New York Times Magazine 1619 Project and Examination of Slavery anti-black racism and its far-reaching impact on American society. They'll be doing so amid increased GOP scrutiny. And then um, they, it goes on to basically say uh, that there was two these two individuals, uh, Kansas and Missouri attorneys, General Derek Schmidt and Eric Schmidt joined 18 other state attorney general, attorneys general in calling on President Biden to halt efforts to bring more diverse perspectives to civics and history education. They described it as a thinly veiled attempt to introduce CRT. Mm-hmm. So the article goes on to basically say that these guys are just disparaging the 1619 project and uh, and that 
you know, even those experts uh, who say, or there's experts that are saying critical race theory has been misunderstood or distorted for political purposes, and then it's not being taught in K through 12 classrooms. Okay, so it's not being taught. It's not in the curriculum currently. Uh, part of the question I have is, is, isn't that what the debate is about here is should we be introducing it into the curriculum and allowing it? I know just like you that, that there are individual teachers who could teach it already and are teaching it. But the right. idea that it's actually in the curriculum is part of the question here. You're putting a lot yeah. of money to introduce it into the curriculum. So, so even to state it the way they are in this article um, is, is a little bit misleading to, it, you yeah. know, they're saying it's not being taught. Well, it, it is, so, but so it might not you, necessarily. Go ahead. Yeah, and they're saying it's not being taught. So are you conceding that it's problematic? Like, you know, like it's right, kind of like, right. it's not, you yeah. know, it's like, it, that's, they kind of do that. It's sort of this interesting, like, you know, at within the school board meeting, there were different school board members who some of them were like, you know, this is not critical race theory. It's being characterized that way, but that's not what it is. So that's what one of them is saying, which basically is an admission that critical race theory is at least something to be concerned about. And then you've got somebody else on the other side of the room who says, everybody needs to get on board with critical race theory. People just don't like this because they are obsessed with their power. So like wow. you, have, you have like basically an admission of what critical race theory is. <laughs> like, you know, it's what the theory right. is and right. they support it. And then on the flip side. So yeah, it's like, they're playing both sides of the fence as quickly as they can, pretty much just because unwanted scrutiny has been focused on this issue. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so the article goes on to say, you know, it tries to, it defines what is critical race theory. Scholars who study it say it's not a specific curriculum or ideology, but a lens, as you mentioned earlier, a lens for examining how race and inequality impact criminal justice law, healthcare, housing, and other essential American institutions. Um, so it, they can they conclude here, Kansas and Missouri schools do not teach critical race theory. They just say it matter of factly, right? They don't teach it. And it's, uh, you know, so some of this stuff just needs to, we just need to stop characterizing it as that you okay <laughs> yeah sorry i had that moment like that guy you know what remember that like oh, oh no. yeah <laughs> there you go. There you go. get out of here i love you guys i'll be right back you got this mimi <laughs> sorry about that Oh no, that's fine. That's that's why it's the risk of being. It's the risk of being live, but also it makes it so much more entertaining. Sorry, everyone. So basically, yeah. So yeah, what you said. I was just saying that the that the that they are arguing very matter of factly that the in this article that critical race theory is not being taught. Kansas and Missouri schools do not teach critical race theory. Okay, so let's just agree, let's just hypothetically agree that that's the case. Well, this particular curriculum that was being, that that was approved to be paid for is better, right. better lesson, better lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to go to this other article that, um, because I didn't have time to go through the curriculum itself and sure. I'm not gonna buy it, but this article, <laughs> Uh, you don't have sixty-two thousand dollars. <laughs> I know, I, I know, and I don't need the coaching. But this this article immediately says, uh, according to the documents, and this is from the Mercury.com. So um, mm -hmm. 
I guess it's there in Kansas as well, right? Yeah, local, yeah. local Manhattan paper. The Mercury Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. So there you go. So there's this is specifically about the board meeting and and that some of the comments. In fact, your comments are there. Attendee mm-hmm. Carmen Schober. Um, okay. Is. So talks about your famous statements. And then <laughs> it says here, uh, the, I had it highlighted and I just went past it, I think. Uh, let, let me find it. Let me find it. Mm. Um, okay. According to documents yeah, from the company. The Better Lesson virtual training sessions focus on identifying systemic racism in schools, defining concepts such <laughs> as implicit bias and privilege, and exploring what it calls culturally responsive teaching methods. See, no critical race theory there. What are you talking about? No, uh, one worksheet helps <laughs> teachers consider whether this. Teaching. Yeah. Yeah. CRT. Well, sure. Okay. CRT okay. there. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you're, you don't understand what we mean when we say CRT. Okay. It's a real lack of dishonesty. Thing. I mean, that's a serious lack of dishonesty. Like just, just lack of honesty. yeah. Or excuse me, <laughs> lack of honesty. I mean, it's a serious yeah. lack of honesty right there to be that evasive. I mean, that's very oh, yeah. manipulative, you know, yeah. just on an objective level. Well, I mean, if they had just kind of said, yes, repeat, yes, we're teaching it. Like, what are you, I mean, it seems to be so rooted in shame. Mm-hmm. Why are you embarrassed about that it is critical race theory? And then you're saying that it's not, but people that object to it are actually racist. So are you right. saying that it's actually okay to teach rape, critical race theory? Why can't you just you admit know, to that? Right. Well, if you're if admitting it's it, so it's fine. If it's yeah. so good, critical race theory, and we have all this data that it's so great and it's so, you know, like it, it's obvious what's going on. Like they want to teach this very specific way of viewing the world that also just happens to be politically helpful (laughs) in many ways. Like, you know, it's just, it's the thing that was the most frustrating, I would say, is I actually went into that board meeting with somewhat of an open mind. I'm not super familiar with all those people, so I didn't know what I was necessarily walking into. Um, But it was just so obvious. Like, so I'll give you a little background too on what happened. It kind of relates to what you were describing there, Brad. It's like, so we all walk in, I think nine people gave statements. It was a range of, you know, academic arguments, a um, couple different, myself, another guy just talking about the theory and how it's easy to come to the conclusion that this theory is that helpful, valuable, you know, whatever. And then other people sharing like personal experiences. One guy talks about how he took a college class that had critical race theory stuff in it. And it was, you know, not helpful. Oh no, am I gone? Am I still on? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. You're there, but it is cutting in and out. So yeah, it's oh, cutting okay. in and out. Um, and other folks, a few other people shared, you know, there was a, a little, I would say like a little Christian subgroup that came out to support and they shared remarks about how they felt like critical race theory was not an effective way to deal with sin, you know, sharing from their personal perspective. And the board very adamantly was like, you all can make comments but we're not going to respond to anything. It's not on the agenda tonight. You can make your comments, but we will not be responding. And so everyone made their comments. It was a good little turnout. Clap, clap, clap. They're like, okay, you can go. Bye, everyone. You know, like, send away. And when people left the room is when they each went around and took a turn um, responding, even though they said they weren't going to respond, <laughs> responding to what it was said. And there was no engagement with the question of whether or not critical race theory is 
a good thing. Like, like there were statements like from some that like critical race theory is good or whatever, but there was no like, there was no rebuttal. No one had anything to say about what I said about it. No one had anything to say about what the other guy, it was all just, wow, these people are just, you know, causing hysteria and, you know, they're just, they're, it's a small, tiny subset of Manhattan that did this. And it's not, a lot of people don't feel this way. It was just all this defensive, like, it was such a, it was very unattractive. Like, I just, I, I guess I thought that, like, there would be some level of, let's at least pretend to engage on the issue. But no, it was just a lot of defensive people making disparaging remarks about the people that spoke. And then probably the weirdest part is that the spin mm. then for a couple of days after that was all these religious people came and said that we were all sinners because we wanted critical race theory, which is not remotely what happened. Like, you know, like it was like, uh, yeah, a couple Christian people came and said their basic Christian belief. No one said anything remotely like you all are sinners because you voted to pay for this. That's not like that's not how it went down. but. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot of dishonesty going around on that board. There's a lot of dishonesty in the way that the local media is addressing it. The people who are sympathetic to this are refusing to really engage with the question of whether or not they really want to stand by critical race theory. They just really, what I guess has been determined is they do not want to entertain anything that us crazy old, white Christian Republicans have to say. That has been thoroughly communicated. Everything else, very confusing. Not exactly what they're trying mm. to communicate other than that they're not interested in what myself and other people have to say about it. Wow. Mm. So what is the yeah. result that, I mean, there's been a couple of um, people I've seen that have started to uh, like, uh, I guess challenge to become board, part of the board, right? Yeah, a couple yeah. of individuals. So, yeah. talk, have, yeah. can you explain that? And I don't know anything about yeah. those individuals, but yeah. obviously, it's a result of this board meeting. And right, right. And also, yeah. Um, and I have, and I have a yeah. Go ahead, Brad. I have a follow up question for that. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think these board members are in more vulnerable position. So there's there's not all of them are up for, for election or they're, they're not all up for this like cycle, you know? So there's seven board members and three of them are, need to be, if they want, only one of them is filed to run again. But basically I will say that, I, I don't want to say like too much because it's still kind of unfolding in Manhattan. Um, sure. But basically, yes, the very dismissive, disparaging attitude, um, definitely inspired people who I think otherwise would, would, you know, be giving this board the benefit of the doubt and not necessarily want to get involved. They feel very much compelled, like, you know, this, it's pretty obvious that after what happened, this particular board is not interested in what a, I would say, decent portion of the community is concerned about and that has compelled right. some some people to wake up and start paying attention and even like outside of like the board part i know for a fact that many many parents who kind of assumed the best are much more are much more 
keyed it to the reality that like, you're not getting the whole story and you're not getting people who honestly want to engage with you on what's happening, you know? So I think, I think there's, mm -hmm. there's a, a whole, a whole, uh, a new awareness in Manhattan that you cannot simply assume that because, you know, like you said earlier, you know, we're in Kansas, it's a red state. Manhattan, it's hard to know exactly what like the political temperature in Manhattan is. We're not super progressive, progressive means, um, but we're not super conservative either. So it's definitely up in the air. What is your, I mean, how do you feel like this ends? I mean, what's your take? I mean, what is your, do you think it, this just ends by people like l completely leaving um, the, the, you know, the school district, keeping them accountable. It doesn't seem like they have any type of accountability. They don't necessarily have to be accountable to you. I know that yeah. that's usually how a lot of school districts actually work. Um, there's very little accountability, even to get most teachers fired is actually, I don't think a lot of people realize that yeah, how difficult it actually hard. is. Mm -hmm. Thomas Sowell in his book, Charter Schools and His Enemies is a fantastic read. I mean, that's basically what he talks about. The reason why charter schools are just so wonderful is because the accountability and the credibility that those teachers have, because they know they could get fired if they don't produce results. I guess I just, I guess two questions, if I could go on a tangent here a little bit. I mean, critical race theory, mm -hmm. where are the results? Like, what are they really trying to produce? What what type of student are they trying to produce? Because there are a lot of psychological studies I could quote when that woman on the board said, I don't see any evidence for that. I just kind of laughed. I mean, there are tons of psychological studies that have proven that when you dis when you basically categorize children based on their eye color, for example, mm -hmm. um, the robber's cave experiment is a really good example of that fascinating psychological study that was the um, inspiration for Lord of the Rings of William Golding. When you put kids to, when you, when you help, when you basically tell kids to categorize based on color or creed or even the color of their t-shirt, this is what, you know, that they will immediately um, put themselves in groups and there'll be a huge group dynamic of us versus them, which is mm -hmm. how a significant amount of bullying occurs. So I guess right. my, my question is, is like, how does this end? Are, it, it's already kicked out all objectivity. The way they treated you and kind of used this ad hominem like these, I mean, I listened to a lot of your objections are very reasonable, very, nobody came in there, um, you know, uh, that didn't offer a pretty well researched, well thought out, you know, response, but the way they kind of twisted that, yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, do you have any hope or yeah, <laughs> like how on how this? Yeah. Um, so how I think it ends, you know, honestly, well, I think what they're trying to produce, I'll try to answer it in two parts. It's pretty obvious to me that the political bent of progressivism leads to division. Right. Because increasingly they rely on that rhetoric that you you're oppressed, you're the oppressor. You have this. You don't have that. The government needs to fix this because, the, you know, like it's just it's like embedded into everything. Um, so I think I think the purpose of critical race theory is to divide people. And I think it is, again, like I said, Marxism applied to culture. It yeah. in goal is to basically just create this massive conflict between groups of people 
Um, it says like, you know, the, the idea is that it's going to create like justice, but like, we all know it's not, we've all seen enough, like, like how Marxist ideals play out. It's not going to create justice. It's going to probably a lot, a, a lot of people could, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage probably to a lot of different areas of life. Um, so to answer your question of where do I see that going? I see it going very badly. I think critical race theory critical theories in general applied to a lot of things. I see it going badly. Like you said, you know, there are studies of at least critical race theory applied to different things, not just education that seem to suggest this is not helpful. Um, as far as how I think this particular issue is gonna play out in Manhattan, it's, I think this has to be true across the board in the United States is conservatives have to start fighting and i yeah. mean that's kind of been yeah. my battle cry for a long time yeah. conservatives have to stop being afraid of being called racist conservatives have to stop being afraid of you know being called names they have to step out and do things that are uncomfortable they have to step out and you know like i, I get it i've lived i lived a significant portion of my life being a very passive cowardly Christian conservative person. I kind of just thought mm. like, I'm going to have this personal belief and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to tell people, you know, I, I, I get like yeah. the whole, the, the temptation to live that life. Mm. But what this should highlight to everyone is you don't have the option. Like pro progressives will not leave you alone to live your life the way you want to live it. That's not their worldview. They see power struggles, power dynamics, oppression, grievance in everything. And it's their mission to fix that, however they decide they're going to fix it. And so if you don't want that ruining your life or your kid's life or whatever, you have to you have to do something. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, it's not gonna look the same for everybody. Yeah. But you might need to run for a school board. You might need to help somebody who's running for a school board. Mm. You might need to run for city commission. You might need to just say become, something that become a therapist. Make a lot of people mad. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to your therapy. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it is true. There's a, yeah. there are actually I'm yeah. seeing more and more clients. Not to yeah, and um, that are that have felt this. I mean, Brad, I don't know if you mm -hmm. could speak that on the church on the pastoral level, you know, but I mean, I've definitely have seen clients that have come in and I know clients that have come in and I'm not the only one that um, have feel, have felt very oppressed, you know, and in the sense that they just mm -hmm. can't ask, you know, ask any type of question, which I think that right. how is how, you know, mm -hmm. um, you're in an abusive environment, you know, is that we, mm -hmm. we won't, I mean, what do they say about Ravi Zacharias? There was something that came out the other day. You are allowed to question Jesus, but you are not allowed to question Ravi. And that was like really mm -hmm. telling to me. I was like, oh gosh, yeah, that might've been, that should have been probably some red flags right there, but it's kind of the yeah. same movement right yeah. here. I mean, you know, I remember growing up in a church, it was like, they only believed in the King James version being the only right, right version. <laughs> and right. even though I, yeah, so, you know, but if you disagreed yeah. anyway, so yeah, same, well, like same, same spirit, you know, this same, is like, different though. This is really yeah. interesting because this is, this is, I've never seen something so cancerous and has caused so much harm. Um, anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but are you will, are you planning on sending your kids there? Cause I was actually curious, mm. were you there? Because that's what your plan is. You know, you want to send your children to the Manhattan public schools and you were concerned on, oh my gosh, this yeah. is, I don't want my kids being taught this crap. <laughs> I better go and speak. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a good question. So um, I was there. I, I'm on the fence. I'm not like opposed to public schools, like on principle. I think, I think like we were talking about earlier, I think public schools fail largely because of the way the government fails largely like you know like there's no accountability it's very hard to fire people who are bad at their jobs there's like union you know like i think there's all these reasons why public schools they don't have the competition that they need um it's just whatever i i didn't go necessarily because i'm i'm not even i don't even know if i will live in manhattan kansas by the time my kids go to school if possible um i really just did it because i felt like it's the right thing to do, like for the sake of culture, for the sake of community, for the sake of the people my kids will be friends with, for the people who will be their teachers, like just thinking about like, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I personally, I don't probably have that much invested in it. My oldest is three. Like I, I um, you know, that we have a private Christian school here that's very affordable that we could send her to that I think would be a much better, much better environment. Um, but I did it because, you know, a lot of people don't have that choice. A lot of people aren't paying attention. Um, they're going to continue sending their kids to that school. And so, you know, I went with the with the belief that I know what this theory is. I know how it functions. I know what this board is doing. I know that they're not being honest. I know, you know, like I just I, I knew that, like, I could go and I could at least mm. feel like I said what I needed to say and that you know, what, what could happen, you know, hopefully it would help a few people. That was sort of my thinking. Um, but yeah, I think my yeah. personal advice to a lot of parents would be if you, if your kid goes to a school where the leadership is like that, I would strongly consider your other options. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I could like endorse sending your kid there, you know, knowing that that was going on. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that kind of leads into how we generally start to wrap up our episodes as we talk about how, how it could impact our, our own environment, our, our sphere of uh, influence. So for me in the church and for Peter and in, in uh, therapy and counseling. And, um, and so I thought uh, I was thinking about that and it's, um, it's not likely, I mean, that, that curriculum, the curriculum in California has been atrocious for a long yeah. time right. and uh <laughs> and we all know it and yet like you said some kids are you know some families just don't have an option to to send them elsewhere they can't afford a private school or they can't right. have uh one parent stay home and, and homeschool um so those are those are not options but for the most part uh people who are fearful of the government's intrusion and in, you know with indoctrinating their children in these things um they they do their first course is to pull them out right and is to find another option mm -hmm. regardless even if none of our kids went there right if, if everyone who showed up at that school board meeting uh however many it was that made public comments if none of them had any kids in the school uh system they should still be concerned because the, just like you were saying, Peter, uh, like what's the goal, what's their goal in putting this curriculum before the students? Well, it's not education, it's activism, right? It, it's to, it's to mm -hmm. train up 
cultural activists. And so to send them out and to, and I'm sure in their mind, that's what's needed, right? It's like, that would be good for societies to disrupt right. every industry and every institution and, and overturn the leadership and, you know, and add more diversity and all of these things, right? It, they think that that's actually going to be helpful for our nation in the long run. But uh, what we have seen, as as you've pointed out multiple times through socialism and through Marxism, is is that that has the reverse effect. That all it does is redistribute power, who then corrupt that power, and ultimately l- leads to devastation and an economic, dis- you know, destruction to yeah. your community. So, all that you to know, say, I'll just I'll, go yeah, ahead. you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna throw out this little thought because this is something that I think sometimes gets lost on when we talk about Marxism and socialism. So a lot of people assume that that worldview, being a Marxist or a socialist, is concerned about making power accessible to everyone, right? Like, right. oh, Marx, Marx wants to make this really like just equal society. No, <laughs> Marx was 100% down with power dynamics. He just thought they needed to be inverted. He had no, like, his vision was not this this society where we all harmonize and we all have the i mean that's kind of like how it was pitched but like he was fully on board with the working class being in power like you know what i mean like and using that power in ways that they say are wrong so like it's it's Mm. all you're doing is facilitating hate and division and violence and disruption and chaos and you're not going to change anything. You know what I mean? Like if, if your fundamental problem is the fact that there's a power dynamic, you're still going to have a power dynamic. Like it's not going, that part's not going right. away. Like, you know, and so I just, I want to throw that out there. It's like, yeah. this, this doesn't solve the thing that they say it's solving and it was never supposed to. The vision is not um, peace. Marxist right. vision was not peace and justice and equality for all it was a violent flip with another power dynamic basically so anyway well and and go ahead yeah go ahead well it's so interesting here i mean if i could kind of take a little devil's advocate i mean you know offer a little devil's advocate approach here because i do think one of the honest questions is is that there's evil that's going on in the world and that's what they're asking and so it's a response to the naive, um, I guess what Huxley talked about, like he was most concerned about people just basically being numb through the opioid of entertainment. And when I talk to people who are attempting suicide, for example, um, who've, who attempted, they are brutally, brutally honest for the first time in their lives about the suffering around them. And it's like, they've seen it for the very first time and they don't know what the hell to do with it. And there is something about this, about people who are like, cause whenever I do talk to woke people, whatever, it's not that they're all these bad people. I mean, some of them are like, no, I feel like for the first time I have a purpose. Like I never knew how racist I once was. And for the first time in my life, oh my gosh, I feel like I do see the racism in my own heart and I see the suffering around me. And this offers such a kind of a clear answer 
to mm -hmm. their search that is very simple and binary and yeah. Yeah. very kind of clear cut. You know, I remember yeah, when I was studying, well, yeah, very something. comforting. And yeah. I remember, you know, when I was yeah. studying counseling, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, they really liked new counseling because it was like, well, the Bible has all the answers and not, I'm not going to get into all that, but I mean, you know, it was just, it was very clear cut and I'm like, well, what do you do with trauma? Anyway, different, different thing. I won't go into that, but there's something about that, that they're asking this existential question. I think most people have probably seen something pretty horrific, maybe some, maybe not. What's, what's getting them to ask that particular question. And then they see this and it just makes so much more sense to them before anything else. And almost like, well, I was in denial and I don't, it almost seems like, well, now you're in denial. And I was there once because whenever I'm talking to a, like a woke person, I could sense the, not the disdain, but like the, the kind of judgment, the mm -hmm. contempt, like I was there, I was there where you were. I mean, yeah. I was, and I could feel it because I, Contempt is an emotion that you can actually express on your face, which is how yeah. you can often experience. It's like how you can often predict divorce, honestly, because you could see her contempt. It's like right over here and you could just sense it and almost like as if they're judging you for where they once were. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like it does. There is an attraction about it, you know, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh, want to sure. negate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I was yeah. just. Yeah. 100%. Like it's attractive because it, you know, it's essentially, it's giving you a solution to things that are not, like, we all, we, right, like you said, we've seen oppression, we've seen justice, or injustice, we've seen this stuff, and there's a natural human desire to solve it, but usually how you're going to solve it is is fairly complicated like you know it's like it's not just like the answer isn't all white people are racist like you know what i mean but that is the answer to them and that's such like uh it's so simple and it does i mean it's attractive it's attractive to and but if you think about it i mean it's it's this weird warping of the gospel right because it's also yeah. simple and and nice and comforting kind of not not really comforting but to say everyone is a sinner like that is true and that is sweeping and that is like you know like but instead of doing that it's it's a different story you know it's like the same story different version i guess is maybe the way to put it instead of everyone's yeah. a sinner i'm a sinner i need a savior instead of that story it's every or this particular group of people are sinners and maybe I belong to that group. Maybe I don't, I don't know. It depends on who's, who's doing this. Um, and there's this glorious solution that looks like, you know, a government revolution or, you know, like it's, it's the same. Yeah. It's almost like right. it's kind of, they're going for like the same thing, but it looks different instead of, instead of this savior God who could solve the problem it's this, you know, it's, it's, it's anti-racist policy. And I noticed all your, the right. white, there was the contrast between the black women in the very end and all the white, like um, uh, the board were, were all overly submissive to her. There is something yeah. that's so interesting to me that shame, they did a study on shame that actually has the same 
it, it's in the same part of the brain that produces orgasm, believe it or not. In other words, not to get too graphic here, but it's actually in a sense pleasurable when you can beat yourself up so that you don't necessarily have to do the harder work and, and actually you can avoid. And addicts are very addicted to their shame because it actually never gets them clean. It never actually addresses the real issue. And so they go into like shame cycles. They're like, oh my gosh, I should have never done that. Oh my gosh. And that's how you know the person's actually not ready to change. If they're actually like, no, shame's a waste of time. What can I do to actually do something? I'm like, you're ready to change. And usually they are. There is something about that, that you're caught up in the shame cycle to beat myself up so I can actually feel a little bit better about myself and then kind of go home and pat myself in the back as if I don't want to get too psychological. I don't know those people like on a personal right. level. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful and not like make this group, big group identity um, on what they're struggling with. But there is something about what is it about white people that feel that we have to do this to ourselves? Are we appeasing like ourselves? Are we appeasing like, are we Pharisee? I don't know. I, I guess I'm just kind of playing. I'm not sure if there's a question I mean, there, but it's just like a I conversation. Think, yeah. <laughs> it, it speaks to the fact that mm -hmm. a lot of people already accept critical race theory assumptions. Like a lot mm -hmm. of people already mm -hmm. assume that because they're white, they are inherently morally deficient. I mean, that's not what they say, but that's what they basically mean when they say when they say all white people are racist, whiteness as a concept is oppressive. I mean, what is I mean, what what else are white people white people supposed to think like if that is the actual worldview that you adopt? Of course you're going to feel shame. Of course you're going to feel guilt. Of course you're going to feel like you can't talk. Like you basically have been taught that like Hmm. inherent into your very skin is some little defect and it's so mm -hmm. evil like you know it's so evil that this is even being yeah. created as like and but yeah i mean lots of people just they accept it and i think part of it is yeah some people really do believe it but i think other some white people it makes them feel superior to other white people kind of like what you were saying like if they, it makes them feel more humble. It's that funny, like humble brag, mm. like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an oppressor, but I know I'm an oppressor. So I'm less of an oppressor than you. But it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, well, it's, stupid, it's but definitely like, like the first step. It's the first step. And there is something that is really wonderful and enlightening when you can actually open your eyes to see the evil of your own heart. And it's like, that is really, really wonderful for some people. Like sometimes that is the first step. Oh, sure. But you mean like, the evil of yeah. your heart as a human being, sure. not as yeah, not a as a group identity. Person. So it's almost like a right, yeah, right, it's yeah. almost like that's what makes it so tricky because it's like halfway there, but not. Which sure. I actually think is what evil is. It's never like the it pure. I don't believe in there isn't such a thing as pure evil. Uh, Brad, what's your theological view of that? I actually think evil is a perversion of good. So <laughs> we can have yeah. a little theology. Well, you know, it's, it's the a, absence. It's what Augustine the absence, said. The, what yeah, does Augustine it's, say? Darkness, it's the absence of light. And so it's the mm. absence of good. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way of thinking about evil. So because the the problem is how did God why did God create it? If it if there is a such thing as evil, then then we have to admit that God created it. Mm. Um and so Augustine is arguing, no, no, no. Uh, God created light, and the absence of that light is then what is left, right? Is evil. So if you're saying there's no pitch black. Maybe that's uh, the disagree. case in, huh? 
<laughs> oh, I said Augustine would disagree. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I'm not sure he would <laughs> uh, would agree that there's no pitch black. I think they're, depending on what mm-hmm. who you're talking about, if you're talking about within the image of man, yeah, because we're created in the image of, I mean, in humanity, we're created in the image of God. Therefore, there mm-hmm. is some common grace in all of yeah. us. There, we're not all as bad as we could be, right? Mm-hmm. We're not all Satan. The question is, is, is Satan pure you know, pitch black. Is he darkness? And has he, I would say it's hard to, it's hard to argue. It would be any other way. So um, they recognize yeah, you know, he's not redeemable. Go ahead, Carmen. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say a lot of this, like you were earlier asking, like why this is attractive to people mm-hmm. is because, I mean, and you mentioned too, Brad, this, a lot of this has to do with policy too. There's a long game, a political game happening. It's, yeah. You can't sell this if you are too honest about it. Like, uh, so there's there's like mm. a little bit of truth, but like there's also some lies, right? So it's this mm-hmm. little like mix. So like, yes, America has a racist history. That's true, you know. Like, so truth, the critical race theory does crazy lies with that. Like, you know, a little truth, big huge lies. Um, similarly, uh, everybody is evil to some capacity. Everybody has biases. Everybody has assumptions. Everybody's heart is bent towards evil. Um, We know that as Christians. So truth, critical race theory takes that and does some crazy lies. And they all have like some interesting political um, outcomes attached to them. So I think, you know, it's, it's, as I mentioned in my remarks to the board, it's, it's rhetoric, you know, it's a political rhetorical weapon that keeps certain groups of people silent and shamed and scared and makes other people, other groups of people feel emboldened to say and do whatever they want. And so well, that's what's so why, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's so interesting. I'm kind of, I'm reading um, <laughs> how to be an anti-racist by Kendi and I'm kind of, oh. um, I'm taking him at his own game, you know, which is kind of fun. Actually, I'm, I'm reading him trying to be as objective as possible, but he says, you could always find anti-racism in the policy itself. And you need to undermine the policies that are racist. And I immediately said to myself, that's exactly why I'm a capitalist is because (laughs) that's actually the policies that will actually build significant less racism. And they've proven that anyway. So I suppose take them at their own game here. Okay. So everything's about power and oppression. I like what you said. How do you know if you're a critical race theorist that you are not using your own power to aggress me? And they can never, it's, it's, that's a very difficult question for them. A lot of people to answer. It's like, are you living? It's so outward focused and fixing the whole world. And that's why it's like one step to uh, like seeing the evil out there, but they haven't done the work inside the deeper work inside that I think is necessary. It's like Mm -hmm. a facade. The shame cycle plays such a neat facade for a lot of people. And it tricks you because you honestly do think that you're enlightening yourself and you feel like you're have this kind of humility, Mm -hmm. but it's not doing, it's not doing a damn thing to actually address the Mm -hmm. sin. And, and Paul right. says that in, in Colossians, like they touch not, taste not, handle not. They think that they're doing something, but that it, it, does, it does nothing to actually stop the lust of the flesh. And there's something about that. So I guess it's yeah. like they're stepping right. out. They're doing that. It's kind of true, exactly what Jesus's rebuke of the Pharisees was, but they're not doing the reflective work. Can I give what I'm yes. giving to others? And what about okay so everything's based on power structures you all according to your meeting let's play to your own game 
because if what you're saying, then you are also using your own power to manipulate others as well. If you're if you're categorizing everybody psychologically into these groups, yep. then you must be doing that as well, which is why it, the evasiveness of postmodernism is so hard to grasp is because it's like, well, yep. then how do you know you're not doing it? And any, anyway, I'm just kind of wrong. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's well, in the wrong. With, everyone's <laughs> in the wrong. Well, and I can, I'll end with this in observation for you guys, because I think maybe this, this sheds light onto me as a person, why I'm passionate mm -hmm. about this, why I talk about it. When I was in graduate school, you know, like mm -hmm. I said, I was pretty cowardly, pretty passive. I didn't bring up a lot of things, even when I disagreed with them. But the main thing that really prevented me from buying into a progressive worldview, even though it was just constantly rammed in my face at all times, you know, I was mm. in all kinds of messaging and social ways being pressured to not be a Christian and not be conservative and to do this other thing. The reason why I did it is because around me, I could observe these people believe this very specific ideology and they have no ability to self-reflect on it because it's so fixated on what everyone else is doing wrong, right? Like this postmodern, progressive, critical theory lens where you look at everything in terms of power and what everyone else is doing wrong, what, what privileges they have, this, that. It was so clear that like they were fixated on it. Meanwhile, all kinds of unpleasant, rude, you know, like unkind things coming out of them. And so that was, that just really like opened up my eyes to like this worldview for all of its promises to solve all of these problems. These people can't even apply this well to themselves. And that was just really kind of like gave me this little pause of like this. But how, this isn't, yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Well, go, how yeah. do conservatives though? Okay. I'm going to challenge you though. How do yeah, we. Ahead not do the same thing they're doing to us right now. Cause I have seen yeah. that. I have seen that in seminary. Yeah. I did see yeah. that. And Brad, I think we both did. <laughs> One of the things that really turned me off is this conservative group. They looked at the poor sinners and they never, they rarely yeah, yeah, self-reflected. Yeah. So how do we do that? It's not a challenge. It's not like I'm disagreeing with you. I'm wondering no, no, if no. like how, cause I don't want to play that game. I want to yeah. transcend yeah. that. And 100%. what do we do? What do y'all think? What do y'all think about that? So, yeah, and Brad, you could answer to, to this. But basically, my argument isn't that conservatives don't do it. I think it is the it is the natural human way of interacting with the world. It is the, you know, it's the non-Christian way of interacting with the world. It's looking at everyone else, blaming everyone else, looking for a savior in something outside of Christ, and creating a worldview around that. And it creates problems. So I think the way that you transcend it is you recognize the sin around you, but you also recognize the sin within. And if you recognize the sin within, that saves you, that allows you to self-reflect, that allows you to get to a point where you cannot do, you can't in good conscience do what critical race theory tells you you could do. You know, you can't, I can't just hate white people. I can't just decide this whole group of people are oppressive. Like that would be sinful, you know, like, and so you have, you have a standard for yourself and for society outside of yourself. If that makes sense. But I'd be interested in your, your no. take, Brad. Let us yeah, know if you I have mean, to go. Like, we're kind of going to buy it. If, if you got to run. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Peter, no, you're good. 
Remind me your question. Well, how do we not do it? Because I mean, you and I have seen that in seminary and uh, I'm assuming. How do we we not do what? Just look at the other side. It's just evil. Got it. And, you know, and they're kind of doing that to us. And we're, we have definitely the tendency to do the same to them, play the exact same game. You know, I'm trying to be more and more cognizant of my own in-group bias and my group bias. I definitely have it. I mean, I will admit uh, anyway. So yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. We all suffer from that confirmation bias, right? And we assume uh, that, that we've got a more balanced understanding than our opponent or something. And that, that we've got the right particular, um, you know, I, I guess, balance of, of crit- being able to criticize uh, what we're viewing and seeing and, and um, critiquing it. Uh, and then also being able to appreciate what is there that's good. But I think the the problem is there is so much here that is, um, it's, it's all based on assumptions, right? So much of CRT is based on assumptions that have not been investigated at all uh, in a particular person's been- life. Yeah. 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 The, the, they've, they've been investigated in one instance, for instance, civil yeah. rights era. And then they, they project the lack of compassion or the lack of, uh, you know, the church's, uh, appropriate response in those settings and say, see, the church is doing the same thing today. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. changed, uh, you know, from, from what they were dealing with, uh, lynching to now they're, you know, Jim Crow laws to now they're dealing with it, uh, by, I don't know, implicit bias, which itself is an assumption, right? Like that you're implicit, that you, you suffer from implicit bias and uh, you're favoring and privileging a particular race over another. Um, So I I think the, the idea, yes, you're right. We need to be careful about doing that ourselves and assuming that everyone is um, that everyone else is, is adopting everything Abram Kendi says or everything Jamar Tisby says. Um, most people are a little more nuanced than that, and they have a little bit of ability to say, look, I, I can be critical of certain aspects of this, but accept some of what is good. And, and that's where Anthony Bradley recently really uh, got a lot of attention from an article where he was saying, with critical race theory, we can eat the meat and spit out the bones. So in theory, I'm, I'm in agreement with that, right? Like we should be able to take what is good out of something and find the common grace component there in a particular theory or, or ideology or something and then say, but, but overall, it, this is problematic, right? If we adopt this wholesale, that's problematic. And so at least Anthony Bradley's admitting, yeah, there's nothing good about adopting it wholesale, but we can eat the meat, spit out the bones. The problem I have with that article was that he never told me where the meat was. He never explained <laughs> right. what part of CRT is meat. He just assumes it's there. And, yeah. and I, I, so until I get someone to tell me what aspect of CRT they appreciate. So we, when we had, um, uh, Greg Lukinoff on the, on, on the podcast, we asked him that, and I know we've been, we're going long, but we asked him like, cause he was talking about some of the value of intersectionality. And I, and I immediately, my reaction was, there's nothing valuable inter- valuable about it, right? Like we let's just reject it. Um, and he was saying, no, there's there's some truth to the idea that you can have various levels of oppression, right? That it's not just one aspect of you that could be in an oppressive category. Uh, that there could be several layers of that oppression. And obviously, the problem is when you 
when you assume why it's happening to you or why you're in that category or, uh, or, or that it's someone else's, like you can pinpoint whose fault it is for putting you there. And therefore you can respond by retaliating, right. By putting, putting them in place. And I, the whole, so, so anyways, his, he actually said, you know, he could kind of pull one thing out of that and say, there's some truth, but it's obviously the conclusions that they draw from that, that are the problems. Well, right. if we could at least say the conclusions that CRT is drawing are problematic, well, then I think we would, we would all kind of, we could all look at this and say, is there some truth to implicit bias? Sure. Are you implicit? Are you, is there some implicit bias in your part toward white people? Probably. Is there right. implicit bias on my part toward people of color? Maybe, but show me like, again, it's like, I'm not sure I, I have an implicit bias probably about a lot of things about a lot of people, even white people. Right. So it's like, that's, that doesn't right, right. get us anywhere so, to a solution. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's taking that assumption of where, where you go with it, which is, well, we need to disrupt all of the uh, curriculum that we're teaching our kids. We need to overturn uh, the boards of industry of ministries and, and industries and every church should adopt a more diverse uh, board of uh, leaders. And, you know, I mean, all of a sudden you have these assumptions that they're not going to suffer from the exact same problem. Right, which mm -hmm. is implicit bias. Mm -hmm. If I say, well, that my male perspective is is skewed because of my maleness, so I need to have uh, Carmen's view in you know inserted into the perspective. Well, who's to say Carmen's view isn't skewed by her femaleness? <laughs> right. I mean, right. we all right. have yeah. that problem. That's where coming back mm -hmm. to the if it's if we're really going to talk about this issue with fairness, we need to recognize that all of us suffer. From these problems, not just pointing the finger at one particular race and group. Um, so I'll end with that. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, well I don't have anything yeah. else to say. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's so. Oh, I guess. I guess just to close out on 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 this topic, mm -hmm. like if you're in another area, which you know most people are not in Manhattan, Kansas, with you that are that are going to listen to this, <laughs> Carmen. So we're we're <laughs> yeah, we're we'll struggling. See. Yeah, <laughs> we're struggling with the same issues, right? Um, yeah. wherever yeah. we are, mm -hmm. we should be addressing them as much as we can within our context mm -hmm. at the local level. You can have an impact. I mean, you can act just by raising awareness to the issue. There are far more people than yourself who have these same concerns. All right. Mm -hmm. And, and we need to yeah. raise those issues and expect some backlash for it. Right. Expect that Definitely. there will probably be some consequences. So that's all I have yeah. to say. Yeah, I'll just say I'll confirm what you said. Like this, I'm I'm, you know, I have my own little internet presence, but I'm not like a big deal in Manhattan. Like I've lived here for a long time, but I'm not I'm not a politician, I'm not a teacher, I'm not anybody. But I can tell you that me just showing up and saying what I know to be true and telling, you know, sharing it with other people, it's 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 it makes a difference, you know. I I can't tell you that we're going to we're going to flip the school board or anything like that. But I can tell you that there are many more people paying attention, having conversations, asking good questions, um, people being a little more brave about pushing back on some of this stuff. Um, right. Not just mm -hmm. accepting the slander, not just accepting the manipulation, stepping up and saying like, no, I'm going to, this is how I feel. So I can, I can tell you that even if you're scared, even if you're like, I don't want to, um, I would strongly advise you 
to do it and to be encouraged that it it will make a difference. That's how this is how it's going to start. This kind of stuff. Yeah. And start small, right? Like start with a post yeah. on Facebook or start with a yeah. comment on a person's, you know, an another person's post and, and go from there. That's, mm. you know, eventually you should do something on a local level. But I mean, I think some right. people are so intimidated by the idea of making a comment at a, during a public forum. Um, and, and so, but right. like just raising right. the issue, raising the awareness of the issue is, is, is helpful. Sure. And I, you're not going to change anything if you just keep it all keep silent and wait for someone else to yeah. do it so and every time someone does it every time you do it it gets a little easier for somebody else that's what i try to remember when people are calling me names oh, yeah. and yeah. people are right. you know whatever i think okay this is unpleasant but i can handle it and somebody is watching and they are coming to the conclusion that they can do this too and that makes it easier for all of us you know we cannot cannot yeah. be passive you know every like being bold, mm. being courageous. Um, it is, I mean, it, it's inspiring. It is. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. God try. Yeah. Give it your yeah. best shot. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Talk Any to closing comment? No, that's fine. No, no, not at all. I know I'm holding back because, uh, you know, I know you probably have to go. We have to go. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. know your mom. Yeah. So we want to wrap it up. It's been like way too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why we want to. Okay. Carmen, thank you so much for your bravery. Uh, just, just, I, I love your bravery. I really do. You really yeah, inspire you. me personally. And you've really, um, I love reading. I've loved reading your, your very intrepid posts and you just mm -hmm. it's i love it it's just great um you've thank you guys god has used you to even many times like convict me to step out there even more so i just love i, I love how yeah. god is just uh filling you and i've i'm so um excited for you yeah so the, thank you thank for your you. encouragement thank you yeah yeah you guys yeah. inspire me too always fun to talk yeah. to you always make me think about things keep me on my toes so <laughs> always good fun. while you're seven months pregnant well, okay yeah, yeah congratulations right? yeah right thank you guys <laughs> yeah thank you so thank much you. carmen